he said, he, we thought what would work best if as I asked a few questions and then just kind of let him go with some answers and you can branch off into uh, whichever direction you want to go. But uh, why don't you first start with um, the name of the ministry? Kind of maybe just tell us how it got started, who started it, kind of introduce us. And then as, um, as Chigor is going to give some answers, my wife is going to uh, hunt. We're, the, the computer system crashed this morning. So um, we're going to hunt for pictures, and we're going to throw pictures up as Chigor is giving the answer. But uh, why don't you just start with the ministry, the name, how it got started, who started it, why, why it even got started. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Pastor Daniel said, I'm a great speaker. I'm not a great speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man of few words. I don't talk so much. So, so pardon me if I give a summary of what we're doing in a few minutes. Um, I'll say, first of all, I will thank Jesus for what he has done with my family. And... Jesus arrested my dad when he was young. And that is where everything started. Because I believe if you have Jesus in your heart, you will have the love of mankind. You will have the love towards someone else. Yeah, and that is where it started. And my dad had this compassion for his people in a rural area in Nigeria right from when he was a young man back in Africa. Then, fortunately for him, he got a scholarship to study in America. And he left Nigeria two weeks before the Biafran War, a civil war that broke off in, in Nigeria. So he was lucky to leave Nigeria before the civil war. Yeah. So he left two weeks, then came to America to study engineering so that's where he met my mom and actually they they were pen pals for three years my mom is from trinidad so they were writing each other for three years before my mom came to america and they finally got married in america and that is how everything started so he had the passion in him to reach out to his people back in nigeria the period of the Civil War was so hard on him. Uh, the Civil War start, lasted for three, three years. And three million Igbos, that's my tribe, three million Igbos were killed in the Civil War. And some of his relations were killed as well. So it was really hard during the, uh, the Civil War. He wasn't communicating with his family. And it was a tough period for him. So after he got married, they went back to Angola, where my mom's parents were. That is where the journey started. And they gave birth to my elder brother. And they got connected to Bible fellowship. And that is how they relocated to Canada for Bible school. And then after the Bible school, in the process of attending the Bible school and worshiping in Bible fellowship then, 
That is how they met your dad, mommy and daddy, Stunenberg, and other friends of his. So he had the passion of going back to Africa to reach out to his people the much he could. And with the support of his friends he met here in Canada, he went back to Africa in 1978. And that is eight years after the Civil War. So you can imagine the situation of Nigeria, the situation of our community at that state. That was eight years after the Civil War. So they went back with my brother and sister. I wasn't born then. So they went back to Africa to start what God has laid in his heart to do for his people and to reach out to his people. It was a tough journey. It was really tough. You can imagine, well, since I visited Canada, this recent one, I keep comparing how Nigeria is and how Canada it is. So how beautiful that Canada is and how, well, we are blessed in Africa as well. Right? I, I see it as the way Jesus left heaven to come on earth to redeem us. That is how I saw the sacrifice of my, my father, leaving the beautiful country, leaving the beautiful uh, country, Canada, to go back to Africa. It is a big sacrifice. If you have not been to Nigeria, you will not understand what God has done for you people here in, in Canada. It's, it's a big sacrifice to leave the beauties of Canada to go back to Africa. And it takes a lot. It takes love to do that, which he did. And by the grace of God, when they got there, and it wasn't easy for my mom. She's not from Africa. She has never been to Africa. Yeah, it was really tough. And each time I think about the sacrifice of my parents, I feel so emotional because it's... it's is something that is not everybody can do it. It's really hard for me. And if, if I think of going back to Africa, <laughs> it's always, it feels so hard. Because many things you people enjoy here as a privilege, you can't find it back there in Africa. You can't find it. And God laid it in his heart to go back to Africa to help his people. Then he went back with my mom, my brother, and my sister. Then they went there, the journey started. So one, when they got there, there were a lot of ugly stuff, a lot of ugly things happening in, in my community then. Killing of twins. It was a taboo for a lady to give birth to twins. Uh, a lot of ugly stuff, fetish, fetish stuff. Um, the worship of idol, a lot of ugly stuff were happening there. And the environment, no hospital, no school. There was a public government school that was really affected during the war. So there was nothing happening. No electricity, no water. They had to walk down to the riverside to get water to bath to get water to drink. So it was tough living from this comfortable condition 
to a horrible state. And now in the midst of that, God helped them to start a ministry. Uh, what started first is the motherless baby's home. And each ministry they started, it was out of a need at the present time. Uh, when they got to my community, there were a lot of women giving birth and dying during childbirth. And the children will, will end up, they will leave the children to die. Sometimes they blame the children as the cause of the mother's death. So it was a horrible state. So what my mom did was when she had of the recent one that happened when they arrived, a lady gave birth to a child and died during childbirth. And my mom went to the village and picked up the child and started nursing the child in, in our home. And that is how it started. So each time a woman dies during childbirth, they will bring the child and dump in our home. That was what they were doing. And in 1981 and 82, we end up, ended up having like 25 babies in our home, in our small city room, training up other people's kids. And I was born in that means. I was born in the means of those motherless babies. Home. I grew up with them. So that is how the journey started. It started, first of all, with the motherless baby's home, caring for the motherless child. And because of the devilish belief and everything, Daddy started a church. And the name of the church is Gospel Missionary Church. So that is basically how it started. The name of our ministry is Gospel Missionary Church. And under Gospel Missionary Church, we have different arms of the ministry, which we will talk about. Later. Yeah. So um, just I remember stories from Africa, from Nigeria. His mom and dad would sometimes come back to Bible Fellowship was the name of our church. And we'd, he we'd hear these amazing miracles from his father, whose name is Ambrose, Ambrose Anyahu. And um, I know we've been learning and teaching about the kingdom of God. And, and as I reflected on a few of these stories, they went into, as Chigor has just mentioned, an area of darkness. The kingdom of darkness was, it's real. We, we can sometimes here in North America um, have misconceptions because our life is so much different. But uh, Chigor, I'd like you to share a few of the stories of the literal, the literal kingdom of darkness that your mom and dad faced and that through, I, I, in my mind, through the power, the authority, and the dominance of the kingdom of God, how they literally carved out of an area of the jungle. I've been there, um, and the, the things that uh, Chigor is talking about is just so real. Um, but his mom and dad carved out this area in Eziyama. I, I'd like you to share a few of the stories of the miracles that your mom and dad saw. Okay. All right. So the, one of the devilish acts that was happening in, in our community, Eziyama, was killing of twins. And what they do is they dump the twins in an evil forest. 
they will take the twins and dump them in an evil forest and allow them to die. And when that was happening, when daddy came to Eziama, the father owns the evil forest. And there were a lot of devilish stuff happening there. And sometimes I know it's, it might be so strange trying to understand devilish, the kingdom of devil. It is real. It is real. And when my parents were looking for a place to start the ministry, it is that same evil forest my grandfather gave to my dad to go and build whatever he wants to build. And the purpose he did that was to know if really, if really Ambrose was powerful, as he said. So he was trying to try, try his fate and see if really Ambrose, Ambrose was real because you dare not go into that evil forest. It was a taboo. People don't go into the evil forest. And that was the major miracle that happened. The first day my dad went into the evil forest, physically, you know, Jehovah Witness, members of Jehovah Witness, they don't really believe in the spiritual. One of them saw a group of people running out from that evil forest physically. And they will run from the end of that bush to another bush. They will cross the road. He saw and he was riding his bicycle and he stopped. The, the, the same day that he went into the evil forest with his Bible to pray, he went into the evil forest to pray. Your father. My father. He went there to pray first before they start cutting the bush. So the Jehovah Witness member saw people running out from that evil forest, crossing the road. He stopped and started asking them, what's happening? What's because he didn't know who they were. He was asking them, what is happening? Where are you running to? At that moment, he became dumb. This is a real story. He became dumb. He couldn't speak for three days. So he went back to the village. He couldn't talk. Couldn't explain what happened to him. It was at the third day he started talking, started sharing the story, what happened, that uh, Ambrose came back with white witch. <laughs> White uh, witchcraft. Yes, that's what they, they so said. I, I just want to say one thing. Explain who your grandfather is. Yeah, my grandfather was a witch daughter. He was a very bad witch daughter in those days. So, but thank God, before he died, he, he was saved. And he got saved in my dad's church. And he, we burnt all the shrine and everything. So he got saved. So, he, that was part of what he was doing. So he gave that evil forest to try the power that Ambrose came back from God's kingdom. Yeah, kingdom, and which is God's kingdom. Yeah, it was a powerful, and that helped um, Daddy to... So explain yeah. who the people were that were running off the property as your dad was praying. Who were those people running? Yeah, we, is the witchcraft, evil spirits. They were demonic spirits, demonic spirits leaving the property that the witch doctor had given to Ambrose. Mm -hmm. As Ambrose went in and prayed, the demons left that property. Mm -hmm. Just an amazing miracle. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is how it started. And after 
the prayers and everything, he started the church and people started coming to the church because of God's presence, because of what God did through him, because they were expecting him to die. You, you dare not try going into that evil forest. It's not done. Except if you're a witch daughter. <laughs> Except if you're a witch daughter. So he went into the, the, the property and declared it. He started building. That is how everything started. That's amazing. I, there was another miracle that when I was a little kid, so I was like 10 years old when I was hearing these stories. Um, do you recall the story of uh, a person being raised from the dead? Yes. Why yeah. don't you share that story? Yeah, we have up to three, 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 yeah, okay. three stories. <laughs> well, I'll, maybe I'll share just one. Yeah, there's one. Um, when the church started and grew, a lot of people started coming to church. And one day they were in church service like this. Um, a woman carried his son that died in the village to the church was crying. He, she walked straight to the altar and dropped the dead child in front of the altar while daddy was preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so because of what he did, because of what God did through him, so they were believing that anything, he can do anything, he can raise the dead, he can pray for the sick, which God was doing through him. So daddy at first, he said he was so afraid he didn't know what to do. They started praying. And miraculously, the child stood up. Awesome. Yeah. Miraculously, the child That's stood amazing. up. And it, was, it was a big news in the community. It was a big news in the community. So that gave Daddy an acceptance in the community. People started accepting him, started accepting his, his, his mission. And yeah. So just by way of, there's a picture behind me. That's his mom and dad, yes. Ambrose and Linda. Mm -hmm. That is Chigor and his wife, Peculiar. Peculiar. We call her Pecky. Pecky. Um, in 2019, I had the privilege, um, my wife and I, Brenda, <laughs> Pastor Brenda and I, we went to Kenya. And as part of our itinerary, we were flying to Nigeria to visit the family, and um, we were going to meet up with another pastor from Bible Fellowship, the church in Surrey, um, and Chigor was going to get married on that trip. We were going to go, Brenda and I, to be an honorary guest of the wedding, and at the same time, um, dedicate the new facility that, um, that had been graciously financed by a, a friend. Um, and while we were in Kenya, I got a phone call from the pastor that was going to meet us in Nigeria who said due to some emergency, he couldn't ma make it to Nigeria. And so he asked, would you be able to marry them? <laughs> so um, I think, I, I don't know, if I contacted you guys and asked if that was going to be okay, like all of a sudden, I'm the one doing the wedding. So um, April or early May? April. It was April 20. 2019. 19 years. Um, we went to, Brenda and I flew from Kenya over to Nigeria, and uh, I had the privilege of marrying um, that lovely couple up there. 
Um, and so I had, it was amazing. And, and then I, I got to preach the very first sermon in their new beautiful, beautiful uh, church building that was generously, yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah. You guys did a beautiful job of that building. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the third person in that picture? My daughter? Y- y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Because, again, uh, God does miracles. Yes. He's a miracle. Just as we sang this morning, I, I want you to just talk about a little bit about your daughter, yeah. the circumstances around her birth, and what's happening right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the challenges I faced when I was getting married is, because I had people telling me that, your dad has been saving motherless babies home, saving motherless babies' children, and I should pray against my wife dying during childbirth. It was a big, big thing for me. And I kept praying. I kept praying because in my mind, I was, I was thinking, what if? What if this happens to me? Because all the years, like 30-something years, we have been saving motherless babies. So it was a big journey when my wife got pregnant. Uh, we kept going to the hospital during the antenatal, and I didn't want any problem at all. <laughs> so I, I registered her in one of the best hospitals in town because I was still having doubts. I'm human. <laughs> yeah, we, we have prayed, and I was still having doubt. I didn't want anything to happen, happen to her. Well, during the period of the pregnancy, he did, she didn't have issues. It was a smooth journey. And at the point of the time she was supposed to give birth, we went for an ultrasound scan, and they said the baby was one point five kilo kilogram or so. So the baby was so big. And instead of the doctors to advise us to do a CS C session, they opted for a normal delivery. And we didn't know the consequences. We didn't know the baby was so big. And that was a horrible mistake the doctors did. So the day of the delivery she went into labor, and during the process of the delivery, the child got stuck because it couldn't come out. So the doctors, they were struggling, struggling with the baby. Uh, in the process, my wife passed out. My wife passed out. They had to break one hand of my baby. They broke her hand. Yeah, her. Yeah. The bone here, yeah. they, they broke the bone here, and they were dragging her to bring her out. And it affected her right arm. Her right arm paralyzed. And so when the baby came out, the baby couldn't breathe for some time. And after a while, I started breathing. Then my wife passed out. And they were struggling between who to save to save my wife or to save the baby. It was a horrible, 
I was I was sitting on the floor crying and well thank God that my wife came back to life. Yeah. She came back to life and today my my wife is alive and my baby is alive as well. And since her birth we have been doing physiotherapy. So after one year, the doctors they told us that she may not use the hand anymore because they damaged something, one of the nerves there. So but after one year, miraculously, she started moving the hand. Yeah, yeah, she started moving the hand. Amen. So she's going through physiotherapy. Physiotherapy, right now? yeah. She's going through physiotherapy. So we're still believing God for more healing because she can't she can't move her thumb. She can only raise the hand this level. She cannot raise it more than this. So wow. Um yeah. I now I understand the um the the fear. Yes. Um on I I can can somebody Will, can you just grab out of my briefcase? My phone is in there. I, I really wanted to share a scripture. Yeah. And and I, I don't want to make this about me, but on on Friday night, um, as you know, my daughter is pregnant. Mm -hmm. And on July 6th, our daughter uh, is going to have a C-section to deliver little baby boy Noah. Um, on Friday night... Her water broke. Shawneen's water broke at 11 or 11.30. And the doctors said in no way can she have a natural childbirth because of her health complications. And so Pastor Brenda drove to their house and picked up Shawneen and Justin and took them to Royal Columbian. It's a specialty because instead of giving birth in Abbotsford, Abbotsford doctors said we don't want her here giving birth. We do not have the facility to deal with the complications that might arise. So we want Shawneen to go to Royal Columbian. So um, her water broke at around 1130 and she was having contractions. And um, Brenda picked her up, drove her, phoned ahead. They were all ready for Shawneen. Um, she arrived at about 1230 at Royal Columbia, Saturday morning, 1230. And at about 1.30, Brenda texted me, or 1 o'clock or 1.30, texted me and said they've taken her in for surgery now to have a C-section. And um, I was awake. I, I couldn't sleep. And, and Brenda usually is very good about sending me messages and keeping me updated. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I still hadn't heard anything about what is happening. And fear, fear takes a hold of you. It just, you start thinking of all the possible negative things that could happen. And so I was, I was worried. I, I was wondering what's going on. So I texted Brenda. I said, is everything okay? And I didn't get an answer, which is very rare that, I'll, that she doesn't get back to me. And I began to really worry. Um... And I opened my phone. It's called Bible Gateway. It's a Bible program. And they have a verse of the day. 
And this was the verse that was on there when, and I still didn't know what was going on. It says, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. That's the message I got. Well, and I still, I, I was still freaked out. <laughs> I was still worried. So finally at 4 o'clock, Brenda didn't even know I mess, messenger. She just sent me a picture of little baby Noah was born on Saturday morning. That's why part of my family's not here this morning. So I have a new grandson born Saturday morning, but I know the fear. I understand, and you also know a lot of the history of our family. I, I, because you just shared this story, I really want to share this scripture because this morning I, I pulled up my, my verse and I was just praying and I was thankful to the Lord. And, and I just clicked on the chapter that this verse was, and I read it. And the Lord said, you know what? I want you to share that with Chigor this morning. And it's, this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, yet as if also I was with you, and that you will be rescued from troublesome and evil people. This is for you. For, for not all have the faith, but the Lord is faithful. That's a word for you, Chigor. The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. That is for you. I want you to know God sees you. God understands the challenges that you face. I, I understand what happens when you transition from one generation to the next generation. We've been through it. I went through it with our family, our business, the ministry. We've been through it here in our church, the ministry transition. I understand the challenges, but the Lord is faithful. And the Lord will be with you. He will strengthen you. He will protect you. That's where it all began. Eziama motherless baby's home. And it's just amazing how the enemy came and tried to infiltrate where the ministry started and put fear, put doubt, put questions in your mind. And I believe we're going to, when we're finished here, we're going to just pray. And we're going to specifically pray for your daughter that there will be complete healing, complete wholeness in here in her. But just as we close, I want you to just explain the different arms of the ministry. I think there's four or five, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, why don't you just share the different um, ministries that are, are occurring out of um, Gospel Mission Church? Okay. All right. So because of the motherless baby's home, we started the motherless baby's home. And now an incident happened. So something happened in the village one time um, during the period they started the motherless baby's home. Now, majority of our, our people are farmers. What they do in the morning, they go to their farms. They leave their children at home. So there was an accident that happened one time in the village. A child fell inside a fire and got born. And my parents heard about that and decided to open a kindergarten, a daycare, a kindergarten where the young people, the farmers, 
before they go to farm, before they go to their farm, they bring their child or their children to our place. And they will take care of the children till they come back from the farm. And that is how the school started. It started with nursery school. Then from nursery school, we have a primary school. Then from a primary school, we have a high school. How many students, like if you think about it, between those yeah. three? Yeah, we have areas. like 800 children that comes there every day. Yeah. yeah. I, here's another amazing thing I want to interject because mm -hmm. I thought Eziyama had 50,000, 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. I just found out this past week as I was having lunch with Chigor that mm -hmm. Eziyama, the village, is only between four and 5,000 people. Yeah. yeah. And so when you hear the numbers of people that Chigor and his family minister to and that the church ministers to, think of that in light of the village being four between four and five thousand people mm -hmm. so 800 kids in the the three different levels of school yes yeah so we have the schools then the motherless baby's home it's not a good ministry i don't i'm honestly it's not a good ministry because each child there represents a dead woman each child in that motherless baby's home represents a dead woman it's scary and because of that, my dad said he has a vision that one day this ministry will stop. <laughs> yeah. That's because okay. it's, it's, we don't feel good seeing them bringing a child. That means another woman has died. And it's very heartbreaking. So that led us to start a hospital, which our daddy and mommy Stillenberg was a great instrument in. Just a little boast. <laughs> my mom and dad helped. Yeah. them um aside from bible fellowship yeah. healthy yeah. and their hospital is called grace, grace hospital, hospital and my mother's name is grace, grace. so they yeah. it was named they, after your mom that's awesome <laughs> yes. what what is what are some of the services grace hospitals yeah we do we do antenatal majorly we started the hospital because of pregnant women to reduce the rate of uh, pregnant women dying so mostly antenatal taking care of them before childbirth and also during the delivery and because of the finances and people don't really come to the hospital if they are sick because they don't have enough money, uh, we end up treating emergency cases. When it's bad, they will bring them to the hospital. If there's any accident written around, it's the hospital because we always have a doctor 24 hours there. So we also encourage, we, we go out in the communities, talk to people, and encourage them to come for um, regular checkups to know how they're doing. We also organize free medical care. They come, we treat them free of charge. Uh, it depends on the finances available. So we, we have a lot we can do. We have a lot we can do. We're trying our best. The much we can, we are doing it. So the hospital has gone a long way to take care of the community health issues and, and the rate of women dying has reduced. We used to have like 20 children, 20-something uh, children. Now we only have nine. Yeah. It's a good news. Yeah. <laughs> it's good news. Yes, now awesome. we, we only have nine in, in our home. And we're praying it will reduce and finally we can close down. We, I prefer to have a daycare than having a motherless baby's home. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a good testimony. 
And so we also have a group that I started, the Nehemiah team, which I have so much passion for, the Nehemiah team. And what we do is we go out to the rural areas and look out for elderly people. Most times, elderly people are abandoned in the village. They are left in the house to die. And when they die, they conduct a big funeral for them. So they end up suffering before they die. So what we do is we go out, look for elderly people. We give them food materials, food stuff. And sometimes we go to their home and clean. So we have been doing this since 15 years now. Just some real practical yeah, things. Yeah, practical right? Christianity. That's awesome. We go out, give, buy food stuff, give them clothing as well, and go out and visit them. That's awesome. Yes. Awesome. I think our time is, is mm -hmm. just uh, coming yeah. to an end, but uh, these are old people. And it's always a blessing when they get a food stuff. Some of, some of them, I don't have anything to eat. I didn't, I was hoping, I was thinking, how will I eat today? And most times we arrive at that moment when they are desperately in need of the food. That's how God made it. And it's amazing. It's always a good feeling being able to handle. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I know, it's, it's absolutely it's fulfilling. Good, yeah, it is. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing that what... I know what your mom and dad have started. Mm -hmm. um, Chigor has uh, one brother older than him and one sister yeah. older than him. Um, his sister is, is in Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. out on the prairies. He's Chigor came to Canada when he was 12. That was the last time he was last here. Last 28 years ago. <laughs> and only came to the lower mainland here. So he's had the, the privilege to visit his sister out on the, I called it the prairies, and he would go, what's the prairies? And I said, <laughs> somewhere just flat. Yeah. So um, so we're, we're planning on doing a couple little adventures this week. Yes. Um, Going to take him up to Grouse Mountain, so he sees a mountain and looks out over Vancouver, but uh, he heads home um, in about 10 days from now. Yeah, 10 days from now. Um, Nigeria. I know, for me, this is very personal, our families have been connected for now 45 years, yeah. and I'm only 55, and he's only 40. Yes. We were connected before he was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and I know we're, we're really big on planting seed. And I, I re really want to encourage you. I, I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm really, I don't want to, I'm not interested in emotional giving. <clears throat> I want you really to pray about what you would like to plant as a seed into the lives of the Anyahu family, Gospel Missionary Church. I really want you to think about it, pray about it. Um, if you want to give, um, we have our, <clears throat> our giving basket that you can give even today if you really feel strongly. But I really want to encourage you <clears throat> We're going to bring it up again and again. Um, Brent, Pastor Brenda and I have really felt the, um, the call to take over for my mom and dad um, as they are, my, my dad's turning 90 this year, um, so they've stopped traveling. They've, they've just uh, kind of slowed the pace of life, and 
So Pastor Brenda and I have, have really felt the call, and we're, we want to pick up the, the mantle of Solid, Solid Rock Foundation is what my mom and dad have started, and also our church. We've, we've given in the past. Um, years ago, 2018, we raised $25,000 here, and we bought an ultrasound machine, and uh, uh, I've been told it was used and it's been helpful, so yeah, I, I, I really hope it has been, and, and it still operates, I understand. Yeah, yeah. They still do ultrasounds on, on moms, and it really helps with the, the child, uh, the, the, the mother care, really. Um, so I really want to put a challenge out to you. I, there's many needs. The, as I've been talking to Chigor, uh, what, what is, do you think is the biggest need? If, if you just kind of think about, I know there's many because between the school, teachers get paid like $25 to $50 a month. That's how much a teacher in their school gets paid. Um, the, the doctors, the nurses are like $50 to $100 a month. A month. That's what they live on. So the need is great from their end. From our end, $50 is 10 Starbucks coffees, um, 25 Tim Hortons coffees. But $50 a month would goes a huge long way. So I really want to challenge us as a family to really put our hearts, our spirit, and really ask God what we can do, what we can sacrifice to 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 contribute to the ministry um, for pa Pastor Chigor and, and what he oversees now. Um, so I really want to challenge you. Really, I really feel strongly. And again, I know I'm connected. And my hope is that you, each one of you, gets connected. Um, because what, I think what you guys are, what your mom and dad started is amazing and what you're continuing. Yeah. I know the weight of it, but what you're doing is amazing as well. And I want you to remember that scripture verse. He's there with you, and he will protect you. I really felt that strongly. He'll protect you. So we're going to pray for you. All right? Thank you so, so much. Pastor Brenda, you know what? If anybody wants, if feels that they want to come and we're going to have Chigor, you, you can just stay sitting down. Um, but if anybody wants to come and pray, lay hands on him, I really want to pray for his daughter. <laughs>